Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. I really wanted to talk to you guys about how to thrive in your relationship with God, at least from my perspective and how I thrive in my relationship with God and source and goddess. And I would love to talk to you about that. And I feel like I also want to just talk about the Self-Realization Fellowship a little bit because I was at the Self-Realization Fellowship convocation the other week for 10 days in LA and it had such a profound effect on me and I was posting about it and a lot of people had questions on what it is or what that means or about the organization and so I would love to just talk to you guys about my journey or what I do now to have a really strong relationship with God and I feel like a lot of people are really struggling or they don't feel that consistent present uh, presence of God in their life and I remember I started my journey really seeking God about six or seven years ago and from then on it's just gotten better and better and better but there's been so many highs and lows even though you know it's consistently gone gotten better I've consistently had at the same time still a lot of lows that have you know felt like oh my gosh where is God God isn't here I feel so far I don't know what to do and I've also at the same time consistently continued to grow and get better and and get closer in my relationship with God so I really do know especially when I was 20 and 21 and 19 and yeah I really started oh my gosh I was like in those phases or in those periods of my life I had so many phases where I felt really far away from God and I was still seeking and still trying but yeah I would love to just share kind of what I do now because I have such a strong relationship with God and yeah what that looks like for me so for me my turning point when my relationship with God got so much easier and so much stronger was when I accepted Yogananda as my guru and I would love to talk about what that means because I think that in the United States it sounds a little bit weird when someone says they have a guru or they think that it's like a cult or something like that and so I would love to tell you what that means and yeah what it is because obviously this is you know, Eastern philosophy or Eastern ways of interacting with God, you know, having a guru is, you know, very common in India and in the United States, it's not as common or we don't think about, you know, Jesus as a guru. We don't think about, even though Jesus is one of my gurus because we have six in the Self-Realization Fellowship, but we have one main guru and that is Yogananda. So um, I would love to tell you guys this little story that was told to me at the Self-Realization Fellowship um, convocation the other day at one of our lessons at one of the temples. And I just thought it was such a beautiful story. So I would love to just, yeah, tell it to you guys. So they, it was an Indian monk there at the SRF, and he was telling us about how 
in India, there is this story about, it's not, you know, a real story. It's a fable or whatever, but it's a story about how there is this, and I'm sure you guys would be able to put it together pretty quickly, but there is this big wall and it's this huge, you know, huge wall that nobody can get up and it's super high and you know it's just there and so all of the village all of the, the villagers for years tried to climb up this wall and they keep trying and they keep trying and they keep trying and they cannot get up this wall and finally someone says I will get up this wall I don't care I'm going to get up this wall like I am going to try for years but I will get up this wall so this man comes and he goes over to the wall, he climbs up and he gets to the top and everyone at the bottom is looking and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, what's, what is it? Like, what's there? Like, they're all eagerly awaiting. And the man gets to the top of the wall and he stands there and he goes, oh my gosh, and he jumps over. Everyone's like, what? What is, what was that? Like, he just jumped to the other side. Like, he didn't even tell us. We're all eagerly waiting. So everyone tries to, you know, continue getting up and nobody can. And then a couple of years later, a woman comes over and she gets up the wall and everyone at the bottom again is eagerly waiting. And she says she gets to the top. She stands there and she goes, oh, my gosh. And she jumps over. And, you know, over the years, a couple people can get up the walls or a few people can get up the walls. And it keeps happening when they get to the top. They're like, oh, my gosh. And they jump over. And um, and so one day um, someone comes up to back from the other side and they come up to the wall let's say it's the first man who jumped he comes back up onto the top of the wall and he looks down at the people and he goes it's amazing over here guys like this is heaven it's amazing it's incredible like you guys need to get here you guys need to come and they're like oh my gosh and then he jumps back down like to back to his the other side and everyone's like oh my gosh okay like okay it's wonderful it's amazing he's in connection like or he's in you know this other side what do we do how do we get there right and then one day someone comes to the top of the wall and they say, he says, guys, it's amazing over here. You have to get over here. And they're like, okay, how do we do it? And he climbs down back to their side of the wall and he says, I will help each and every one of you up this wall and I will not leave here until every single one of you has gotten over this wall and I will guide you and I will place your feet and I will show you where to climb and I will get each and every one of you back over this wall. So from this story, there basically, you know, the metaphor is that the other side of the wall is complete self-realization, which would be like um, living as a Buddha or living as Jesus Christ in Christ consciousness. So Christ is not Jesus's last name, right? Christ is a label or a name uh, like Buddha that's given to someone who has reached Christ consciousness. So you can be Christed, you reach Christ consciousness. And so um, you know, the goal is to, for many and for, you know, all souls intrinsically, is that you achieve complete and total full realization, complete God union. And that's not, that doesn't come from just believing, doesn't come from reading texts. It comes from deep union and communion through, you know, I believe through meditation um, and a, a bunch of other practices, but it comes from that and that type of devotion, right? Not just from reading texts or living a good life. And so, you know, um, so the first person in the story, the person who comes back to the wall and says, guys, it's great over here. You have to come over, but then jumps back 
to his wonderful side of the wall. That would be an example, as I was told in the Self-Realization Fellowship the other day, that would be an example of someone like the saints, people that are just living examples of, you know, how wonderful complete union with God is. There's a lot of guru, or not gurus, but there's a lot of um, completely enlightened beings on our planet, completely enlightened and completely Christed or, you know, completely Buddha realized people, but they do not interact with us or they do, but very infrequently or they're saints and they, you know, they just, they're living examples of that truth, but they're not you know, taking you under their wing and and bringing you to that space, right? They're just living examples. We can hear what they say. We can, you know, be in awe of them, but they're not actually bringing us to that space versus a guru is someone who has come to that space of complete and total self-realization, complete um, Christ consciousness, complete and total union with God, union with truth, union with self, and comes back from that space and says, I will devote myself to each and every one of you and bring you um, to that space and lead you and guide you to that space. So in India, a lot of times it's common with gurus that, you know, they have a lot of disciples and they are um, when you're uh, let's say when you're there, that guru is currently alive. They have a lot of disciples and they're guiding them each day. They live in an ashram together. They're giving them instructions. They're, you know, specifically training each and one, each and every one of their disciples to receive and complete, complete self-realization, right? Now, in the U.S., in the Western world, this is not as common. It's not as common to even devote yourself as deeply to your spiritual practice and your relationship with God. You know, we have these ideas and dogmatic approaches to God and we have, you know, church or we have temple and we'll go and, and whatever. And, and we, you know, think about God and, but it's more of a a concept and, and whatnot, but we don't live for God and we don't breathe for God and we don't devote every moment to coming into union with God and we don't put God above everything and devote, you know, an hour a day to being with God. Like we don't take it as serious and we don't have as much of a cultural, Um, acclimation or, you know, natural proximity to these spiritual concepts or this way of um, coming to God or this deep reverence and devotion to God. And so my guru, Yogananda, was in India and was chosen. So there's a line of gurus in my, in my, um, in my not my convocation in my group in my it's like a non-denominational um I don't even know how you call it because it's in you know in the way that my guru obviously teaches it he's Indian and so he teaches it obviously as a guru and so it's just we're his devotees and he's the guru and it's not an organized religion it's just self-realizing it's just you know that's the way that it is there so that's what he brought here Um, But when, you know, in our in the line of gurus, which is so my guru is Yogananda, his guru was Swami Sri Yukteswar, his Swami Sri Yukteswar, his guru was Lahiri Mahasaya, and then his guru was Babaji, and Babaji was chosen by Krishna. Okay, so there's that's the line um, of the gurus. Okay. And so my guru was chosen by uh, Babaji and Krishna 
um, to bring his teachings to the West. Okay, so my guru was chosen by the the um, the first guru, Babaji, and then even more than that, Krishna. My guru was chosen by them in this line of gurus to come to the United States and bring these teachings to the U.S. because the United States is so deprived spiritually. And it's something that Yogananda would speak about frequently was that the West is thriving materially and the East is a lot of times thriving spiritually. And we need to learn from one another and bring our complements or complementary halves into a whole and come into union together and bring material abundance to Indian and, you know, share in that way and, and whatnot. And, um, India, we can learn from their spiritual abundance and whatnot. Obviously that's not really happening right now in our world. And a lot of times, um, obviously the West is, and the United States is causing so much harm everywhere, but that is, that was obviously my guru's vision and desire was for us to share and learn from one another and what we're strong in to bring that to the other country and what they're strong in, they bring to us. So my guru came to the United States, came eventually to Los Angeles and decided to set up shop there and create this, these temples and take devotees and start speaking and teaching his teachings. Now, what that means is that um, he created these things called the lessons. And another part is also that the point was also to bring Kriya Yoga to, um, to the West. Okay, so that's an important aspect here too. And so Kriya Yoga, it's not about, you know, necess- like yoga as you guys would think about it, right? There's different types of yoga. There's karma yoga, which is, you know, uh, enlightenment through service to others. Um, Kriya Yoga, you know, there's a bunch of different types and they're not physically, you know, moving into certain positions and going to a yoga class, right? <laughs> um, so anyway... So my guru came to the United States and set up shop in the United States and wrote a ton of books, but created these things called the lessons and those, and then also created, not Kriya Yoga, didn't create it, but um, Babaji restored it or was given it and um, brought it again, kind of like revived it. That was the word I was looking for. And then Yogananda created these lessons to practice. And so what the lessons are, they're kind of central to the SRF is that Yogananda created all of these lessons that you can apply for and get and they're they teach you exactly how to get how to attain self-realization fully and through specific prayers and meditations and ways of living and certain times of meditating and specific things that you do and so I'm just going to pause here and say that so for me I had been seeking God for many years and what ended up happening, and I've said this before about different areas of my life, but in my relationship with God, I had hit a point where I could not go any further on my own. I, you know, it was hard because I'm like, I'm seeking God, but I don't, you know, everything felt kind of disorganized. Like I'm trying to meditate every day, but I'm doing like meditations on YouTube or I'm just like silently sitting there and I don't have like a formal way that I'm interacting. I don't have rules. I don't have anyone taking me any further. Of course, I had my mentor helping me and giving me guidance, but I didn't have a formal, like, this is how you attain complete and total self-realization, which is a guru's purpose. A guru's purpose is to 
say to you individually, this is exactly what you need to do. Do this every day. Do it at this time. Here's my guidance. Here's my feedback. Devote to me. Do this, you know, in this way. And then you will attain complete and total self-realization and you will um, really get a lot further on your relationship with God. You will come into a lot uh, like a catapult (laughs) in your relationship with God. It will just like catapult you so much further in your relationship with God. So I was at that point a few years ago where I felt like I cannot go any further on my own. And prior to that, I had read the autobiography of a yogi and was checking out Yogananda. And I went to a self-realization group. They have them like in every state and also probably in like every country. I was in Spain at the time. And so I was like, let me go to some of these sessions. And I actually went to this uh, session for the first time when I was in Spain. So everything was in Spanish. And when I got there, there was mo- there were monks from the LA center there visiting. That was my first time I'd ever been to a group. And I was like, what the heck? And it was it felt so aligned because I felt so welcomed and at home because I was the only one who could understand really fully what they were saying. And I was, um, yeah, I was in Madrid. And for some reason, you know, obviously a lot of people in in Spain speak English and in Europe speak English, but when I was in this the center, we all ended up going to dinner after. We went to this vegan spot and because everyone in the SRF is vegetarian at least, but usually everyone's vegan. Um, and so we went to this vegan spot after and we all went and I was the only one that could really talk to the monks because everyone else needed a translator. They weren't fully comfortable in their English. And so I felt like it was such a divine sign from my guru and from God that like come here you're welcome here this is your path you know it was my first time I'd ever gone I was in Spain and then these people who speak English and who were so welcoming and they wanted to talk to me because I was really the only one that could really truly interact with them so I ended up sitting next to these these monks when I was at dinner and we ended up talking a ton and exchanging emails and I still email um my this monk to this day and so that was kind of my first you know introduction into it and then my mentor was also a part of the self-realization fellowship and he was doing the lessons and I saw how deeply evolved he was and how far 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 on his journey with God he was and how fulfilled he was in his seeking and yeah how truly deeply enlightened and in these spaces of consciousness that he was and I was like I want that and so I um eventually this monk friend that I made encouraged me through email to sign up for the lessons and so I applied through the self-realization fellowship for these lessons and when I applied for these lessons I began them and from that moment on I've never again had the feeling of direct being directionless or feeling confused in my relationship with God or feeling yeah at all anything confusing because it's so clear like Yogananda just gave put it all out so clearly and it's all just right in your face like this is what you have to do every single day and there's so many lessons um, and you get them every two weeks and then once you hit a certain point and you finish with a certain point of the lessons you can apply for Kriya Yogi or for Kriya Yoga and apply to be a Kriya Yogi and um, proclaim your official devotee status and um, yeah and so I um, started doing the lessons and my relationship with God has just I, I can't even really express how rapidly 
that was what I was looking for before when I said catapult, how rapidly it has grown and how deeply I have come into union with God through following these practices and following my guru. And I want to talk about what that means as well, like following my guru, because in the beginning, I was thinking about this the other day, in the beginning, I didn't feel and I feel like it can feel intimidating because right now when I'm speaking to you I'm speaking to you as someone who deeply loves my guru I have a reciprocal relationship with my guru Yogananda Ji I have such a beautiful relationship with him that I'm growing in every day and I talk to my guru I love my guru I feel chosen and claimed and loved by my guru and I you know, I love my guru so much and I devote to him and I have pictures of him everywhere in my room and I think about him and I pray to him and I I love him and he loves me and we're in relationship, right? But in the beginning, it was not like that. And I feel like it can feel intimidating because you're like, oh my gosh, like in the beginning, I just felt this is really the only, and I actually saw this the other day, I think online or in person somewhere, someone said, you know, the the mark of a true guru is that they can lead you to complete and total self-realization. So your question to yourself is, do I think this person can truly lead me to God? And that is, you know, that's really what it comes down to. I don't, I didn't ever feel in my life prior that any of the religious or spiritual things that I had encountered could lead me to the depths of God that I was looking to unite with. Nothing at all seemed to, it didn't scratch the, it didn't even scratch the surface of where I was trying to go. Oh my gosh, my dog is snoring. Lavender. (laughs) I love you. Hold on. I'm going to give him a kiss. Okay, I gave him his kiss, so we're back. But what I wanted to say, what I was talking about was about this relationship with Yogananda. And so in the beginning, it wasn't that I felt, oh my gosh, I feel so devoted to my guru. I feel so, you know, deeply in relationship with him. I didn't feel that in the beginning. I didn't feel that at all for, you know, years. I didn't I didn't feel that. What I felt was this i trust that this person can lead me where i am trying to go i trust that this person is a completely um self-realized individual completely united with christ consciousness completely united um and elevated as a completely you know um yeah i don't even know how to say it someone who is completely in union with god i believe that this person has truly attain self-realization and that they can show me how to get there too because a lot of people avatars or saints they have um you know attained full and complete self-realization but they're not able to bring you there because they don't they they didn't that wasn't their purpose right that wasn't that wasn't what they were called to do i mean maybe they even were called to do that in person um when they were alive my guru is no longer alive in the physical here on this plane so my guru you know for example let's say um babaji i mean i'm not i can't really speak for babaji obviously or you know um swami shri yukteswar but what i can say is that you know they didn't necessarily as far as i know leave these detailed um things that they wrote personally about exactly what to do and how to to kind of attain self-realization so maybe they were doing that in person um and then they you know 
I don't know. So that was like they were a guru and they are obviously still a guru, but they didn't have these exact tools of um, once they passed on teachings of exactly what to do. So my guru, Yogananda, has these teachings of exactly what to do, how to do it. Um, So many teachings, like so many things in the lessons. And it's just so laid out clearly that it's it's really it's not necessary for my guru to be here in the physical because he set it up in that way. And by the way, no guru, it's necessary that they're in the physical for them to lead you to God. I have no idea. Maybe Swami Yukteswar has such beautiful and deep. I mean, I love Swami Sri Yukteswar. I always like kind of butcher that, but I love him and pray to him and, you know, I'm in relationship with him and I love, I love Babaji. I have a really close relationship with Babaji, or at least I, I want to, I want to deepen in my relationship with Babaji. But, you know, um, as far as I know, you know, and even I have, um, I listen a lot to Ramdas and Ramdas's guru was a a guru named Maharaji I believe and um Ramdas met him and you know he was a guru in you know India and Ramdas would go and you know make pilgrimages to see him and and spend time with him and Maharaji was is his guru and so it's not and then once he passed on Maharaji is still his guru still an active relationship with him so it's not necessary that the guru is alive at all however I'm just saying that with Yoganandaji it's very 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 easy and very very laid out for you because it's not that you are you know stumbling in the dark he literally wrote out every single thing that you have to do so it's like just super straightforward and um, that makes it a lot easier to enter into these relationships even when that person is not physically on this plane and I think that is yeah something that is really just a huge benefit of of Yogananda's teachings and so I began doing the lessons and um, and so I want to just tell you guys how I kind of my my life now and how I thrive in my relationship with God and some things that I do. So I was telling you guys the other day a few months ago that I started using an altar space. And of course, Yogananda Ji had recommended that in the lessons, but I had not done that. And so a few months ago, I created an altar space. And that was something that honestly, guys, changed the entire game of me thriving in my relationship with God. Because prior to that, I would meditate um, and pray maybe on my bed or somewhere that, you know, wherever I was, or I would go and it was kind of just disorganized a little bit still. I didn't realize. But once I had an altar space, there was this this space in which, you know, it was a central space in which I could depend on this space to hold a, yeah, like a, a spiritual energy or a space in which I could depend that I could go there and devote consistently. And so instead of me just like praying or meditating on my bed or on my floor right next to my bed or something like that, I knew, you know, when I wake up, there's this space with pictures of my guru and all of my gurus, um, Swami Sri Yukteswar, I always do that, <laughs> Lahiri Mahasaya, Paramahansa Yogananda, Babaji, Krishna, there's, you know, um, there's pictures of them all there and I have crystals and I have offerings and I have offerings to my ancestors, I have, you know, um, 
incense. I have, you know, all these little things that really are special to me. And so I feel like having an altar space, it was this finite, you know, kind of pinnacle space where I could go and devote. And that has really, really, really What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Changed the game for me, and that's something that Yoganandaji does recommend is having like a consistent space, an altar space, or a room. And mine is in my room, so I don't have like a meditation room, but having this altar space... I think can give so much direction and I feel like a lot of times in relationship when you're seeking God it can feel before you have direction from a guru or or whatnot you can it can feel very um it can feel super just I don't even know how to it can feel very yeah disorganized right like you're just try you like you want to be with God and you're feeling upset that you're not with God and then you're like meditating but it doesn't like feel like you're making really progress and you're just like I don't know like it just feels disorganized and so having my relationship my formal relationship with God feel very clear and I know what I'm doing and it's organized it just feels really really good and it's allowed me to make so much progress in my relationship with God throughout the years and to When I say progress, I mean coming deeper and deeper and deeper consistently in union with God and finding God deeper every single day and consistently um, throughout the days and months, strengthening my relationship with God and elevating my consciousness to God consciousness or coming into these spaces of a transcendental space of consciousness where you are... um, yeah merging with God and of course I'm not in that space um a lot or frequently because it's quite um yeah very advanced and I'm not there but you know I see myself progressing over the years as I devote so having an altar space I would say is so important now the other thing I would say is having a consistent prayer and meditation practice and so if you're not in the self-realization fellowship of course which most of you are not having a something that you can count on every day that you do especially at your altar can be really really impactful so for example saying like every day I am going to um, pray at my altar or I am going to say affirmations at my altar or I am going to um, you know do a meditation at my altar, I think that gives direction and consistency in your relationship with God. And um, so for me in the Self-Realization Fellowship, we are told and, and we meditate and pray two times a day, every morning and every night. And, um, and we meditate in a specific way that is taught through the Self-Realization Fellowship. And we do specific techniques um, through the Self-Realization Fellowship that I cannot share because they are um, private and specific to, you have to be in the lessons. You sign a little thing that you have to, um, you can't you know, share the details of our meditations and our specific private things because they're you know, for devotees. But I do specific meditations and prayers um, as taught by Yogananda Ji. And that's what I do. I do them every morning and every night. Now, something else that really, really helps is creating a healthy and balanced life as well. It's very hard to thrive in your relationship with God if your life feels very, very 
unorganized or feels very, very dysregulated. So for me, things like, you know, not drinking or, you know, at the very least for somebody like drinking infrequently or, you know, um, listening to spiritual music, like that's for me is like a really big one. I really make sure that like 90% of what I listen to is very, is like devotional music or very uplifting or positive or spiritual music and that is something that is super important and I feel like that rewrites my unconscious mind and honestly I become so surprised every time that I listen and spend a lot of time listening to specific songs or things I it really imprints in my unconscious mind and I find myself speaking or talking in the ways that these songs kind of express and I'm just like wow it really is crazy because I'm in consciously doing this with these songs or with these devotional you know um you know I'll just tell you guys a story so actually so um I was listening to this song the other day by a friend of mine and it was it's basically it's not a song it was like a chant right and so it's just saying Hare Krishna Hare Krishna over and over right and um and my guru is speaking in it and so it's it's called um what is the song called? I have to find it for you guys. But it's this, my guru speaks in the beginning of it. And um, so the song here it is, is called um, Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, okay, featuring Paramahansa Yogananda. And so in the beginning of it, my guru is speaking, Yogananda Ji, and he's saying, um, you know, in the battle of activity, uh, let your war cry be. And then Yolandrel goes into Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And then in the middle of the song, uh, my guru says, and I was listening to the song like literally 24-7 the other week. And in um, and in the middle of the song, he says, um, uh, when worries howl at you, um, ground their noises by loudly chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. So then it goes into the thing, right? I was in a dream the other night. I had been listening to this song 24-7. I was in a dream the other night and I was in a nightmare and something was scaring me. And I just looked at it and started saying, and I consciously was like, when worries howl at you, ground their noises by loudly chanting, so I looked at this thing and I was just started chanting in my dream as I was running out of this house, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, right? And that was because obviously I chant that in general, or not obviously, but um, I, I listen to... Uh, Hare Krishna chants in general and I also have Krishna up on my altar right but I'd never really consistently listened to a chant and I also hadn't listened to that song and that song has my guru in it so it's even sparks my attention even more so I was listening to it so consistently that even when I was in my unconscious dreams and in my unconscious mind that after only a week of listening to it every single day multiple times a day when I was afraid in my dream my unconscious mind remembered when you are afraid, chant Hare Krishna. And so I started chanting Hare Krishna, right? So my point here is, is that the things that we consume really, really impact us a lot. And we think that they don't, but they truly do. And, you know, I even saw it firsthand in the beginning of my spiritual journey where I was um, listening only to Londrell's music for six months. And I came out of that and um, the way that I spoke was so different and so positive and always had a positive, 
you know, kind of hinge on things. And I always was looking for the silver lining and I was just speaking to myself in such a more loving and gracious and kind way. And you just notice that the things that you consume mentally, spiritually, they really, really impact you. And so taking that very seriously, of course, sometimes I listen to fun girl rap music or something, but that's a very much the minority of the time. 90% of the time I'm listening to um, spiritual music, devotional music, loving music, uplifting music, positive music, or chants. And that was just a really beautiful moment that I felt the other day where I was in this nightmare and I started chanting that because I really just was like, wow, I allowed this chant to really hit my unconscious mind so that truly at my depths when I'm afraid, I remember God. And I remember to call on God and that I don't have to be afraid. And so I think that that is really, really powerful. So that's something that I feel can be, you know, um, really implemented is making your life a really, really healing space by just having healthy habits, you know, eating well, you know, it allows, it sets the stage for your spiritual success. It's very hard. I remember in the beginning of my journey when I was doing the lessons, I would try to meditate and my back was killing me. My back would hurt so badly and I would cut a lot of my meditation short because my back was hurting so much and I would just be so frustrated because I would sit up straight and my back would hurt and of course I also actually sit on a little meditation pillow because it's really hard for me to just sit in the position to meditate when I don't have like a little bit of elevation under my butt but um, even when I had that my back would hurt and I realized it's because I literally didn't work out at all or do any sort of physical activity literally at all Um, I used to just not literally do anything and yeah I just never maybe Maybe I went on a run like once a week or once every two weeks, but I wasn't consistently having like a stretching or a workout routine. And when I started doing hot yoga consistently, which was about a year ago now, I started to see such a massive difference in my meditations because my body was stronger. And when we have that strong physical vessel, it sets us up for so much more success spiritually because we can spiritually um, achieve more states of stillness or deeper spaces of concentration because our body is strong. And so I feel like, you know, even when I, if I don't eat healthy, it doesn't, my my meditations aren't as able to go as far because, and my prayers even because I just, um, my, I'm distracted by the ails of my physical body. Right. And so as much as you possibly can, setting up a healthy space in your life, spiritually, you know, with music, physically, with food, with exercise, that really sets you up to have a strong spiritual foundation. And if you feel really lost in your relationship with God, having a really strong, um, like healthy routine can feel really, really good in your life and set you up for that success. I will also say that having a, um, having a, music that was very very uplifting with God and also listening only to gurus or my guru or other um, teachers that have a very uh, don't have a fear-based relationship with God was so important to me because 
a lot of what I was raised on was um, Christianity and Catholicism. And for me, the way that it was taught came from such a fear-based space. And it just didn't come from a truly God-centered space. It came from fear and a lot of attachment to the physical and a lot of just, yeah, just fear. And that's like the energy of just, um, that's not the energy of God and of, um, con- of you know, elevated states of consciousness. It's the fear that keeps us trapped in the physical body. And so that's where a lot of people around me that were Catholic and Christian were coming from. And there's so many fear-based narratives that come from these, from a lot of um, religions, organized religions, where there's a lot of fear, especially in regarding, regarding regards to women. There's such a fear-based um, approach to women, to women's sexuality, to sexuality in general. Everything, there is the shame and this fear and that is the lack of energy of God and of grace and of love and, and the true um, freedom and the true genuine, authentic intimacy and love and sacredness. That's, you know, the lack of it when we're coming from these fear-based mindsets and these judgmental mindsets and that keep us really trapped in the physical reincarnated, reincarnating over and over and over again. And so when I started to step into my relationship with God, it was so important to me that I listened to people that did not have a fear-based relationship with God. And so for me, one of those people was my mentor, my friend Londrell, and his music was so, 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 so helpful. And he does not have a fear-based relationship with God at all. And then another person um, that I really love is Ram Dass. And I listen to Ram Dass's podcast every single week. Ram Dass has passed away as well, but his organization still, um, you know, puts out his podcast every week of words and and teachings and um, and things that he's expressed and speeches that he's given. And so Ramdas is someone else that I really, really love that does not have a fear-based relationship with God. Another person I love is my friend Hitomi. Um, her YouTube channel, I would really love and I would watch her YouTube videos because she does not have a fear-based relationship with the divine, with God. Um, I do not have a fear-based relationship with God. And um, and so I would I would seek out online sources to give me that further teaching that were really well-rounded that with individuals that did not have a fear-based relationship with God. And so, you know, if you're listening to this, you can refer to me. Hitomi is a really good resource. Um, Londrell, my mentor and friend, is a really good resource. Hitomi's my friend. And then Ram Dass is a really great resource as well, a really great podcast to start listening to. And when you start really digesting spiritual truths and teachings of God and teachings of the of the world and of spirit and of the divine not from a fear-based space it starts to heal something in your heart because so much of us have like I think every single person honestly has internalized some sort of fear-based narratives from how pervasive organized religion is and how deeply fear goes within organized religion and how pervasive that has been in our world for so many thousands of years and the fear that organized religion has instilled in so many people particularly when it comes to women is yeah just really crazy and really sad because it's taken so many people away from god because that is not god and so those types of teachings coming from fear 
are, you know, anti-God and so they don't resonate. But then because they're claiming themselves as messengers of God, it makes people feel like, wait, I don't want to be a part of that. And it's like, no, that's not that's not it. They're just misguided. Don't listen to that, you know. So going to people that have a very strong relationship with God um, that, you know, are not coming from a fear-based space, that was so, so, so important for me. And I think that's really important for everyone as well. And um, also really just like listening in your body when you find someone who has a true authentic relationship with God, there's, they don't come from a space of shaming or fear or fear of women or women's sexuality or sexuality in general. They're not coming from those spaces. And so as a result, something in you is going to resonate with them. Something in you is going to say, this person has a true relationship with God. And I felt that when I, um, you know, listened to Ram Dass's podcast. I felt that when I found my friend Londrell, I found that when I connected with Hitomi and when I saw her YouTube videos years ago. And so when something inside of you says this person speaks truth, this person is not coming from fear. This person is coming from love and true, authentic intimacy with the divine. That is when you can start to really and and it makes me feel safe and it doesn't make me feel judged. It makes me feel like all of me is welcome here. And that is the energy of God. And so when you feel that in somebody else, that's just a good indicator, you know, of, of something. And of course, just continue to listen to your intuition and your discernment, but start paying attention to how your body responds. And if it wants to follow someone because you feel afraid if you won't, or if it wants to follow someone because you genuinely feel so safe and that this person is in true relationship with the divine. So that I would say those things are very, very important to thrive in your relationship with God, especially in the modern world, is reprogramming your mind out of these fear-based narratives with God. And that can come from, like I said, listening to a lot of these people's content and also listening to uplifting music with God. And then also, um, you know, reading having affirmations that are safe and loving with God, because I do think that having a fear-based narrative is what most people have. I think actually every single person has it until they really go inside and, and rewrite that. So having a practice, even in the beginning of affirmations, if you need to rewrite this and really extinguish this fear-based relationship with God that you might have. And, you know, even in these, um, you know, I'm not even going to get into it, but, um, but yeah, so I think that can be really, really important, but all of these things I think are, yeah, are so important and just continue on your path patiently and try to also find the balance of, um, seeking God while also being very grateful for where you are right now. And, You know, of course, a lot of people are like, I want to be in complete union with God now because that's the nature of our souls, right? But the truth is, if we are constantly yearning so hard obsessively that we are in full union with God when we're currently doing our best, then if we're constantly in that kind of dichotomy and we're over over yearning or like over obsessing, we're going to be unhappy where we are now. And we're not going to be able to really feel the subtle changes that God brings for us and the subtle changes that prayer and meditation has for us in our life. And so just be open to where you are now and meet yourself and God where you are right now. 
And, and yeah, I think that, um, you know, God is always beckoning to you through, through everything, but through souls and through others that are, you know, in a relationship with God. And, and so God is beckoning to you in, in every moment. And so God will meet you where you're at. God is not angry. God is not spiteful. God's not vengeful. God is not mad at you. Um, you know, I think that when we come to our devotional practices, coming from a space of devotion, I think is super important as well. Coming from a space of devotion, I feel like coming from a heart-centered space with our relationship with God is so important. So literally, um, yeah, coming from a space of devotion, like when you're praying, feel into your heart and know that you're talking to this unknowable and incomprehensible um being or energy or it or or you know complete oneness or allness it's hard for the human brain to comprehend um you know this omnipresence this complete omnipresence know that you're held and heard by this omnipresence and um you know i think that the purpose of the guru is to also make it a lot easier to channel your devotion into the guru because when we are trying even you know now i pray to the divine mother i pray to the divine father and i pray to my guru so i kind of break it down because to pray to this complete omnipresence sometimes feels a little bit hard because we are humans and so we're channeling we're in these human encased bodies and so we're channeling you know our understandings a lot of times until we get into full self-realization which is a, a practice and a you know it happens over time obviously sometimes many 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 lifetimes and so you know sometimes it it can feel un unattainable or unreachable or not not real if we're praying to this everything versus if we're praying to aspects of God so we can pray, pray to the divine mother aspect the you know unconditionally loving completely ever-present loving mother aspect of God or we can pray to this protective loving caring father aspect of God or we can pray to our guru. And so for me now, especially after this convocation that I was just at, I felt like I just was initiated so much deeper in my relationship with my guru. And I felt so just so reciprocated in my love and my relationship with my guru. And so now for me, I'm really praying mostly to my guru. And I feel I'll be in that space for quite a while and devoting mostly to my guru and channeling all of my love for God um, into my guru because my guru is God. My guru is one with God completely. And so when I am channeling into guru, I'm channeling into God. And so it makes it a lot easier to comprehend as humans, <laughs> um, you know, to be able to devote and channel our devotion and our prayers and our love into something that we can comprehend like a divine mother aspect, like a divine father aspect, like our guru, you know? And so... Um, this can be really, really helpful as well. So I also recommend that, you know, praying to specific aspects of God. Now, the other thing I want to say is finding God in everything. And so for me, I really love finding the goddess um, through 
the earth. And so I go outside and I have trees that I love and that I pray to and that I give offerings to. And I have, you know, um, specific spots that I really love that I sit with and I pray and I, I listen to the earth and I pray to the earth and I speak to the earth. And I know I'm speaking to the divine mother. I know I'm speaking to God. I know I'm speaking to goddess in those moments. And so I try to find God in nature, which is really easy because <laughs> nature is such a direct reflection of God. And a lot of times um, humans, it can get a little bit jumbled because we've got so much going on or, you know, man-made cities is very jumbled. And of course, we want to be able to see God in everything. But nature is so easy to see God in. And so you know, just sitting outside with nature and praying or um, putting your feet on the ground and talking and praying to the divine mother. I think that is a really, really wonderful practice as well, finding God in nature and then also finding God through your body and through your womb and in your connection with your body and in your connection with yourself. Um, I think is really, really a beautiful practice as well, finding the goddess, finding um, God expressed as the goddess. And, you know, obviously I'm using the word God and um, God is, God is, there's, <laughs> it's hard, it, it should just be is, not even God is, just is, because God in itself is a word that is trying to confine is into something, and God obviously is a masculine term um, of this is, God is, is, there's just, it is, it is, that's, that's like the that's the the biggest truth I can express just it is is <laughs> and so you know when we are finding different aspects of God and praying to different aspects of God we're looking at different aspects so that we can come into a wholeness right so when I pray to divine mother and I pray to divine father what I'm doing is I'm creating my an ability for my humanness to navigate the wholeness through praying to specific aspects so that I can come into a fullness. <laughs> Does that make sense? So I'm praying to, it's like if you have a circle, and let's just say there's two halves of this circle. Obviously there can be a million little pieces in the circle, but let's just say there's two halves of the circle and it's really, really hard to understand the circle in itself because it's just a complete nothingness. There's just is inside. It's just is. But if we break the circle into half, and we say, okay, one side is blank, feminine, one side is masculine. Now I can start understand, now I can start, if I pray to both sides of these, then I'm praying to the whole innately if I'm praying to both sides and, and communing with both sides and navigating the qualities of wisdom and love and joy and unconditional love of one side and the protection and the love and the care of the other side then through praying to both I'm praying to the fullness but it's really hard to just do the is the fullness because it just is <laughs> it is hard at the moment to to it to go into that space of is so we pray to the different sides and the different qualities and through our guru and and everything so so yes so this is um this is my, this is what I can give you for how to thrive in your relationship with God and with is, <laughs> how to just thrive in relationship with it all, with is. <laughs> um, that's what I can give you. And I just really recommend you to 
try to find God in all of everything, you know, and think about God all the time. Decorate your room with pictures of God, right? Like my guru is God. And so I decorate my room. I'm looking right now. If I look up, I can see one, two, three. I can see four pictures of my guru in my line of sight if I just look up. If I look to the right, I see another picture of my guru. If I look to the back, I see a picture of Babaji, a different guru in my line of gurus. So I have reminders of God everywhere. And I think that, you know, that also allows me to continually think of God, 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 while I'm doing things. Even now I'm remembering, right? I'm here and I'm serving God in this moment and just remembering that I'm not the doer and that God is the doer and that I'm here blabbing away as a human and moving my mouth to try to serve God, but I'm just doing and and God is the doer and I'm just here doing my best. So, so yeah, I love you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I'm going to go out and connect with God through the earth and connect with God through the trees and the grass and the fruits. And yeah, I'm just going to go out and go and connect with God. So I love you guys. Hope you guys have a wonderful day and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.